I'm Trey Briggs, and this is Call Center Confidential. Hello, welcome back to Call Center Confidential, the podcast that is a conversation about conversations. My name is Trey Briggs, president of BCI, found at bci-fit.com, and I hope all is well wherever you may be today. And today we're going to talk about the role of teaching in QA. Before I get into it, I would like to share a couple things, a couple nice things that have happened since our last episode. The first one involves a backstory. So it goes like this. Several months ago, we were serving, we still are serving, a particular department, one of four that we work with, with one of our clients. And in this department of about 40 agents, the department was kind of separated into five or six different groups. And in one particular group, there were about six or seven agents who, as opposed to the rest in the group, were doing pretty badly. So, and it continued to happen, and no matter how much we were reporting on it, it didn't seem to be getting fixed. Well, in our situation with our product, we take full responsibility for the success of every agent. So we can't really, in our process, can't allow that to happen. So what happens in those situations is that we reach out to management and we say, hey, these folks are lagging behind, they're underperforming, and we really need to fix it. And, you know, we understand that management gets, they have lots of other things to do than simply focus on what we do within their organization. So sometimes it gets past them. So we take it upon ourselves to contact them and make sure, you know, that we put some kind of action plan in place and fix it. Well, we did. And it was still, we were having a little bit of trouble getting through. But soon thereafter, this particular department hired a new person. And as soon as they did, just via her emails with me going back and forth and discussions via email, I could tell this person was a go-getter. And it was kind of made clear to me that she was brought in to, to get things done. You know, So we eventually, she, she was assigned to deal with this situation. So, and I was happy about that. So she and I set up a meeting on the phone and we talked. And I told her right off the bat, I said, I'm just going to call her Mary for the sake of giving her name. I said, Mary, I want to assure you that we're going to fix this. (laughs) And I know exactly what we need to do to do that. And I'm telling you this not to be bragging, but what I'm telling you this for is I want you to have confidence in me and BCI and what we're about to do. Because I realize one thing, you have lots of other things to do there, but this is all we do. So my responsibility to you and your organization is that we make it as easy on you and as less time-consuming as possible on you to solve this problem. So we're going to solve it, but let's put together a plan, okay? And she said, sounds great. So we sat on the phone there for about 30 minutes, put together a detailed action plan with lots of input from her because there were a lot of things going on with these particular agents that... We're dealing with things like, for example, they were getting called and they were asked about services this organization offered, and they were dropping the ball pretty badly in that regard. So we had to put together a plan with much input from her as to how she wanted them to handle those inquiries, who to send them to, what information to gather, and things like that. 
So we incorporated all of that into our measurement process, and we put together an action plan. Okay? Well, I can tell you what happened. Very quickly, those agents began to improve. And very, I don't know, I can't say exactly how long, but it wasn't long, maybe a month or so, before they were all, each one of them, performing spectacularly. And to this day, they are, each one of them are excellent every time they handle a call, throughout every moment of their call. We completely turned them around. And I remember during the call, our first meeting, she said, you know, Trey, I don't know. These are, I'm not sure they're capable of offering the level of service that your program demands from the rest in the group. And I assured her, I said, Mary, they can. We just have to teach them how and then hold them accountable to doing it. And you'll see that they will come around. And that's exactly what happened. Well, this person, Mary, I recently received an email from her and letting me know that she's moving on to greener pastures, I suppose, in, a, in another organization. And she was reaching out to me to let me know that. And I told her how impressed I was with the way she handled the situation with these particular agents, because to be honest, she and I never talked again. She just went back to her situation and did what she had to do. And we did what we had to do. And we worked together in that way. And we solved it. And it was very amazing. And I told her that. I was really impressed and really respected the way she handled it. And so she's going to other places and I'm wishing her the best. And uh, looks like there's a possibility we're going to be working together. Should she, we be able to put all that together? But it was just a good story that made me feel really good. And it was a good example of how teaching, which is what this, this episode is all about, how teaching with the proper knowledge and the proper execution can solve anything with agents, no matter how unskilled or low-skilled any agent may seem. If you teach them how to do things the right way and then hold them accountable to doing it, you will solve the problem, and they will be great. And that's the theme of this episode today, the disappearance of teaching. Secondly, another thing that happened since our last episode, I received a call from a, a trainee, an agent in a particular department. It was so nice because she was just calling to tell me she had just gotten a very uncharacteristically low score on one of her BCI assessments. And she called me apologetically to let me know that she was having some very real health issues that she explained to me and that perhaps this is why she did that and and she was disappointed and I explained to her that no one's perfect I completely understood but what it really made me proud of and made me feel good about is that we form relationships with our trainees and it makes me think that we're getting through to them and that they really understand that what we're teaching them to do is good stuff it's really good and they believe in it And it was the second kind of call I've gotten like that in the last few months from an agent. And it really makes me feel good. really made my day. So there was a couple things that happened recently that were pretty cool. But today, we're going to get into the subject of today's episode, which is the disappearance of teaching. And I'll get into that right after this. Okay, so this episode today is about the role of teaching in QA. Whatever happened to teaching? (laughs) No one ever mentions it. The very concept of teaching seems to have entirely disappeared from agent customer service training 
and performance management. So in discussing this subject, let's look at a typical scenario where a QA process will be implemented. The situation is always that the organization is dissatisfied with their agent's performance and is looking for a remedy. And the landscape within such a call center is that many of the agents are not good on the phone, which is why the call center is seeking a remedy. So I'm going to explain the proper approach to the problem, and then I will contrast it with today's traditional approach. So here it goes. When BCI acquires a new client, for example, as we recently did with two, the situation is always as I just described it. Many of the agents are not good on the phone. Now, industry discourse that I encounter today goes to great lengths to define what not good on the phone means, but everyone knows what not good on the phone means. We do not have to give it different names and different feelings and all these other things. They're not good on the phone, okay? (laughs) Now, here is how such a situation must be approached if the goal is to solve it. The first and very necessary step is to listen to each agent and identify the flaws in their individual approaches that are causing them to be not good on the phone. I will say that again. The first and very necessary step is to listen to each agent and identify the flaws in their individual approaches that are causing them to be not good on the phone. This means that there are highly specific reasons They are not good on the phone. Those reasons are easily identifiable, and typically there are several of them within an agent's approach. The second step is to teach them how to replace each flaw with the right way of doing it so that they no longer execute each of the flaws anymore. The third step is to continually monitor them to ensure they indeed correct each flaw with what has been taught so that each flaw no longer exists. This leaves them offering only flawless or perfect performance. If you execute these three steps, the result is guaranteed to be agents who are not only no longer bad on the phone, but who are now flawless or perfect on the phone in every call. It is very straightforward. This is exactly what Mary and I did with her subgroup within her department. Exactly. And it is the only way to properly train and then manage agents who are bad on the phone. It is the only way to solve the my agents are bad on the phone situation. It is the only way because if you leave any of these agents' flaws unaddressed, they will continue to display them and they will continue to be not good on the phone. It's very simple. In a nutshell, this approach requires first identifying what agents are doing wrong, teaching them how to fix it, and making sure they keep it fixed. And that requires teaching, which requires knowledge and expertise. And I will be right back. Okay, now let's look at today's standard traditional approach to the same situation. Consider first that any organization implementing a QA program has already done what it could to make these agents good on the phone. Whatever they have done has left a situation whereby too many of their agents are still not good on the phone, 
which is why they are seeking a remedy by implementing a QA program. This is an important point, so I want to be clear. The organization staff members who will oversee the new QA program have proven unable by themselves to provide a solution. Otherwise, there would be no need to implement a QA program. This is a very important point. So now, with traditional QA, the way it works is that first identifying what agents are doing wrong is not part of the process. Secondly, teaching them how to fix what they are doing wrong is not part of the process. Thirdly, making sure that they keep what they are doing wrong corrected so that they are no longer doing it wrong is not part of the process. Instead, traditional QA bypasses all of that and simply implements a process whereby agents are scored on their performance. The idea is that getting the scores to increase will improve agent performance. So, what are the scoring mechanisms or parameters that are supposed to cause this improvement and how do they work? Well, anyone who has been in the business knows that these scoring parameters come in various forms. They are typically defined by broad categories such as warmth level, politeness, conveyed empathy, built rapport, first call resolution, conveyed proper tone, etc. I mean, there's a millions of them. There's lots of them. They also come in more specific forms, such as did the agent offer their name in the greeting? Did the agent display appropriate knowledge? Did the agent actively listen? Etc. These are then assigned a score, such as 1 through 10, yes or no, or percentage scores like 84%. So, let's take a closer look at how these mechanisms are supposed to work in a hypothetical situation. Amy is an agent who is not good on the phone. In her first score, she gets a 74% on warmth level, or a 7 out of 10 using the 1 through 10 scoring approach. So what is the message to Amy? Be warmer? But how is she supposed to know how to be warmer? What if she contends and believes that she is perfectly warm? How is simply telling someone who lacks warmth to be warmer going to solve their warmth problem? The answer is that it is not. And the reason for this is that Amy is exhibiting specific and recurring verbal flaws in her approach, which she is unaware of, that are causing her to sound as if she lacks warmth. And a scoring process that gives her a score, but does not identify these flaws and then teaches her how to fix them, leaves them to occur in every call she handles, so she will continue to lack warmth. It's very simple. Warmth and a lack thereof, along with all the other parameters such as conveyed proper tone, are conveyed by specific verbal manners agents habitually use in their approaches, and if the flawed manners are not identified and fixed, they will not fix themselves. <laughs> and scoring parameters such as percentage scores, 1 through 10, and yes or no, have zero chance of fixing them. Zero. The warmth problem in Amy's tone and any agent's tone is mostly due to recurring and habitual word choice and manners, not just voice inflection that lacks sweetness. <laughs> no amount of added sweetness in voice inflection can overcome improper word choice and manners as they relate to warmth and every other tone issue. That simply is not how language works, and there is no way to change that. That's just reality. Okay, 
This is the reason why traditional QA fails. It is impossible to measure agents to success. You can't do it. It does not work that way. Agents must be taught how to replace their wrong ways of doing things with the right way. And they must then be held accountable for keeping it right. Otherwise, their wrong ways will remain and such flaws will continue to cause unsatisfactory customer service and negative customer experiences in every call they handle. The overriding theme in traditional QA is a complete lack of teaching. There is no teaching involved. Some may say, wait a second, we coach agents all the time. But when it comes to agents who are bad on the phone, what are they being taught in this coaching process? To be warmer? Go be warmer. To convey a better tone? Make sure your tone is better. To build some better rapport? You're not building enough rapport. (laughs) To be more polite? (laughs) You could call that coaching or whatever else, but it is not teaching. It is not showing the agent specifically what they are doing to cause them to sound less than polite and then teaching them how to fix it. It is not identifying the specific word choices or mannerisms the agent is habitually using that are causing them to convey an undesirable tone. Coaching is not teaching. (laughs) As a consultant I recently read said, which I totally agreed on, I was like, yes. She said this, what today is called coaching is typically centered on time issues or protocols, but it rarely, if ever, addresses agent-customer service issues and can provide no remedy if it did. And I will be right back following this brief intermission. So, how did we get here? Why is there no teaching in QA when the one thing required of a successful training and performance management program, AKQA, is teaching? The answer is very simple. The overriding narrative in today's call center industry is that excellent customer service and the tone, empathy, professionalism, and everything else that defines it in today's industry discourse can be encouraged but cannot be taught. Small pieces might be teachable, but a curriculum whose pieces are numerous enough to coalesce into a curriculum that, if mastered, would ensure flawless service in every call? No way. (laughs) The thought is that customer service and the customer experience are too all over the map, unpredictable and random for that, that every call is different, so there are not enough constants to make customer service teachable and manageable in an absolute manner. This is utterly false, and the truth is the complete opposite. Every single moment of every single call any agent takes on any day is 100% teachable. In other words, any agent can be taught and prepared how to handle every moment of every call they ever handle prior to their handling it so that they are guaranteed to offer perfection in every moment of every call before they even pick up a call. That is the reality, and that reality requires teaching. And teaching requires knowledge and expertise. But the narrative in our industry today is that agent performance, particularly regarding customer service, is a great mystery. 
that there are no experts or concrete answers. So let me provide an analogy here to help explain why that is untrue, okay? Here we go. Think of those times when training an agent on a new piece of software. They are instructed to click here and then click there. If the situation is X, then click here, and if it is Y, click there. Enter information here, and if the outcome is Z, then click there, etc. Preparing an agent how to handle every call perfectly regarding customer service, again, with the tone, professionalism, empathy, and everything our current industry discourse says goes with it, is precisely the same. Every situation an agent will encounter is highly predictable, just as it is when dealing with a software program. I know this to be true because this is what we do all day every day here at BCI, and our agent trainees universally offer what anyone listening to them would consider perfect customer service. They execute it according to our training slash teaching directives, and they know before picking up any call exactly what they need to do to make it happen. They are prepared. They have been taught. In my opinion, the reason this concept may sound foreign to many is due to today's standard or traditional scoring parameters and approaches. As I have explained many times in this podcast, they are the prism through which most view QA and agent training. These parameters are weak and ineffective. They are unable to identify or measure what is required of the execution of excellent customer service, and they, therefore, cannot hold agents accountable for executing what is required of excellent service. The industry-wide conclusion is thus the false presumption that customer service is a mystery when it is anything but. It's a sad situation, frankly, that is really holding the industry back in enormously profound and costly ways, in my opinion. It is easy to take even the most seemingly low-skilled agents and make them consistently spectacular in every moment of every call they handle every day. It just requires teaching them how to do it and then holding them accountable for doing it. And that, my friends, requires knowledge and expertise and a lot of work on our part, <laughs> by the way. And I would like to thank you today for listening to Call Center Confidential, the podcast that's a conversation about conversations. Call Center Confidential is interactive, so if you would like to leave a comment or ask a question, perhaps play Stump the Expert. Just go to our website at www.bci-fit.com, look to the little blue icon at the bottom right, click it. You don't have to tell us who you are. Leave your message, and I will answer it in an upcoming episode. Thank you again, and please do not tell anyone about this podcast. It's confidential. <laughs> I'll see you next time. Take care. Call Center Confidential is a production of BCI. It is produced by Daniel Tucci, music by Julian Bell, mixing Bright Future Studios. Mm-hmm.